Hello, welcome back to Hair Impact Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Natalie Christopher, an, astro- an astrophysics, if I say it correctly, please, Natalie, um, tell me if I am. Astrophysicist. Okay. Astrophysicist. And she will tell us all about her science and the impact that astronomy has on our lives. So, Natalie, can you talk a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, um, I'm very, I think I'm very lucky. I have uh, a really nice job. Uh, I'm, as you mentioned, an astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. Um, what that, that People often ask me the difference between astronomy and astrophysics. So, astronomy could be uh, looking up to the night sky, looking at the stars, using a telescope or even binoculars, um, and, and trying to understand you know, what is up there in the night sky above us. Um, astro- astrophysics, on the other hand, uses uh, the laws of physics uh, and, and maths to really understand physically what's going on. So, so you go an, from uh, observation just merely to explain phenomena about the space, let's say. Yeah, it's the science behind it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm an extragalactic astronomer. That means that I work on galaxies other than our own, other than the Milky Way. Oh, okay. So is that the, uh, specifically the um, object, the object uh, that are interests you, the galaxies, let's say? Yeah, so my work focuses on understanding how galaxies um, uh, evolve with time. So to try and piece together, um, it, we, in astronomy, we have to almost work backwards. We can't build really um, galaxies in a laboratory and poke them and see what happens. We do, of course, have uh, computer simulations, um, which we can use. Uh, but I'm an observational astrophysicist, so I use data from telescopes and from satellites in space. And uh, we look at galaxies at all different uh, energies of light. So from the infrared through to the optical, uh, UV, uh, all across the electromagnetic spectrum to try and piece together uh, information about the galaxies. So uh, people usually are used to seeing optical images of galaxies. We're seeing the starlight there. Um, we, we've seen some beautiful pictures of uh, spiral galaxies, like our, our own galaxy, the Milky Way is a spiral galaxy. Um, but if you also um, complement that with observations in other wavelengths. For example, I mainly work in the infrared. Um, this gives us a different view of the same object. So um, usually when I'm, I'm working with children, I tell them, you know, if you took a picture of a human being in the optical, you would see, you know, their skin, their eyes, their hair. And then yeah. if you went to the hospital and you had an x-ray, you would then see the same person, but you would be seeing their bones, for example. Oh. So um, you see, yeah. you're looking at the same thing, but in different energies of light, and this allows you to understand what different different physical processes are happening in galaxies. So, so it's like um, the anatomy, they say, of the galaxy. In yeah, you can kind of say it like that. So um, people don't think that dust is very important. Well, in astronomy, um, dust, it's funny because it's a dusty day in Cyprus. We just mentioned this before <laughs> we started recording. <laughs> Um, in astronomy, dust is any, uh, like a solid particle of, uh, of silicates or carbon grains. Mm. Um, and these are uh, scattered throughout the galaxy. Uh, if it's a very dusty galaxy, what that does is that it suppresses the optical light. So if you look at it in an optical telescope, it might look quite dim. But then mm. if you look at it in the infrared, 
um, this dust glows and it gives off, um, wow. you can imagine like a thermal uh, goggles, you know, infrared goggles at nighttime. Mm. So um, it allows you mm. to essentially peer through the dust. Uh, and and these ob- observing galaxies in these two wavelengths really give you a complementary view of what's happening. So you would only have half the story, let's say, if you were looking in optical. So when you put these together, and you look at how galaxy, how bright, let's say, a galaxy is at different energies of light, you can start to understand things about the galaxy. You can start to understand things about the stellar population, uh, so about the stars in the galaxy, how old are they, um, how many stars are there, how many masses of stars are there. Um, you can see whether there's been a recent um, burst of star formation, so small pockets of star formation throughout galaxies. So all this information help us to build the Big Bang Theory, let's say. So this is more a big, understanding the Big Bang and working that close backwards to the beginning of the creation of the universe is more sort of a, cos, a cosmology um, understanding. My, mm. the, the galaxies, so the pictures we see, say, in, in online and in media of, of galaxies, um, we see beautiful structures, we yeah. see maybe spiral arms, we can see, you know, we can see that it's a galaxy. Of course, the further away a galaxy is from us, the less resolved, we can't see the structures anymore. Yeah. Um, and I work on galaxies, let's say, that are at a specific distance from us where you can't see just in an image by looking at them, whether they have spiral arms or in some cases um, galaxies have jets coming out of them, relativistic mm. jets, so electrons and protons accelerated to very high speeds. This is due to having a supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy. Um, so these things you just can't see in the pictures anymore. So um, this is when you, you use this process that I described where you look at it at different energies of light. And so you can, you can start to see at different epochs um, what galaxies are doing. Because, of course, um, uh, the universe, uh, we believe, or it's the most commonly accepted, let's say, theory of the creation of the universe is the Big Bang Theory. Um, and then with time, galaxies, stars were born, galaxies were born, um, and we come up until the present day. Now, light, the, some of these galaxies are so far away from us that uh, the light has taken so long for them to reach us that we're observing the galaxy as it was uh, a long, long time ago. Yeah. So this is really useful in astronomy because we can we can basically set uh, like we can look back in time, let's say, and mm-hmm. see what what the galaxies that are close to us are. Um, their light didn't take so long to travel to get to us, or so we're observing yeah. them as they were, let's say, in the present day, or as close to as possible. And if we keep going back in time, we can start to then see trends and understand how galaxies have changed with time and what's driving these changes. Um, I mentioned the supermassive black hole. These are really important. Yeah, it is. Like, very recently we saw the first photo of a black hole. So I guess... That's just <laughs> incredible. Yeah. I mean, as, a, as a, to be alive as a scientist and to work on black holes and to see that mm. for the first time was just amazing. And uh, understanding quite how difficult it was for... Um, the collaboration to achieve that. It's yeah, an amazing achievement. It's, I, I understand it's a very... Um, like as a geologist, earth scientist, let's say, I understand that it's really amazing. But in the content, what all this information is useful for us? I mean, what we do all this information, how we use it to have an impact in our daily lives, let's say. What okay, so, well, 
there's there's two different ways you can see this from astronomy. The one is that as as human beings, since we since humankind was you know uh, came to be, we've been very curious and we like to answer questions. And if you think of the more most fundamental questions, you know how how did we get here? Um, you know what is the you know what is this place that we live on? What is this planet? You know yeah. what are these things in the night sky that we see? So yes. astronomy really goes. Um, we've we've always been very curious about this and we've always been let's say explorers so we started off exploring the world mm. and going around and finding different countries and so on or yes okay this could be a history lesson on uh, <laughs> countries and what what defines countries and borders and so on but we've always been curious um yeah, so I mean, it's like a it's like a form of extending our, our curiosity to yeah. to beyond our our local influence um, and it's a part of that, the science itself. I mean, if we weren't curious yeah. enough, we would never fly, let's say. That's one example. Uh, exactly. That cur curiosity exactly. uh, leads us to great things that we have uh, accomplished. Precisely. If we weren't curious, we, hadn't, we wouldn't learn anything and um, we wouldn't advance as a civilization. So it definitely helps answer or helps start to answer some of these very fundamental questions. Mm. Um, but from a more practical point of view, um, astronomy, you know, you have to convince the taxpayers, for example, why should uh, money be spent on on astronomy and not on, say, well, anything to do with a medical uh, field yeah. or something like yes. that. Um, people don't see the direct correlation between the benefits of mm -hmm. uh, or technology, let's say, that's been driven by astronomy in the yeah. past. I'll give you a few examples, um, however. So... The fact that you can take, for example, a, a selfie on your phone, um, this is due to the to the rapid development of uh, CCD digital cameras, right? Mm -hmm. um, the first, this technology was first driven by by a combination of the military um, and also in astronomy. So mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, people think of astronomy: you're peering through a telescope with your eyes. Yeah. So back in the day, astronomers were obliged; they had no other way to record what they saw apart from to draw. Uh, to draw what they could see. And then this huge revolution with the photographic plates came. So people were starting to be able to take pictures with the cameras and then they, they used this in astronomy to even map the whole night sky to see and, and, and uh, plot all down the position of all the stars that we see at night, which, by the way, are stars that we see uh, from our own galaxy. Um, but to, to make this whole process easier and uh, better, um, technology for uh, digital cameras, let's say, or to understand how to use digital cameras as, as best possible was really driven by astronomy because the astronomers, you know, this made their job so much easier. Yeah. So we have that to thank astronomers for. Um, there's all sorts of different things. There's um, radio, understanding radio waves. Mm -hmm. uh, this has helped with Wi-Fi, with the wireless internet connection. This is also from astronomy. Um, sending people into space. How can you dehydrate food so that the astronauts can take their food with them? Mm. And then this then gets, again, there's it, it, a connection with the military there to understanding how you can keep people safe and hostile or keep them alive and healthy in hostile environments. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, a, there's lots of different ways that astronomy has kind of impacted or driven some tech technologies that people don't make the immediate connection with. So it, it's so pushing it, actually technology to evolve quicker, let's say, or in a ways we would never think to evolve because of astronomy. 
Yeah, different ways of imaging. Like again, we were talking about X-rays and so on. The different ways of imaging and, and improving uh, detectors, let's say, in different wavelengths. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are different ways that. So, aside from answering our, our questions about you know why we're here, it yeah. also helps to drive uh, yeah different advancements in different areas. But um, I think generally in astronomy is something that is quite a visual science mm -hmm. or it, it can be used as a very visual science. And this is a really useful way to engage young children and ge the general public uh, about science and also... That's um, what I would like to ask you. Uh, again, I understand you do some uh, activism about education about young children in STEM. So what do you actually teach children? And how that so helps them, let's say. Yeah, no, astronomy is really, really um, exciting because it gives us this, uh, affords us this kind of look at our place in the universe. Mm. So again, it goes back to the question, how did we get here? What are we doing here? Yeah. So um, some activities that we do, for example, with, with the children, we show them um, a, a globe that has the countries on it and so on. And we ask them what, you know, what this is. They know, they tell us. And then we have this uh, thing called an earth ball, which is an inflatable beach ball, let's say, that has satellite imaging of the Earth printed on it. So yeah. you can see the continents, you can see the, the oceans, you can see the clouds. And yeah. we ask them, you know, what's the difference? They say, okay, this is planet Earth. Okay, what's the difference? Uh, it doesn't have, you know, eventually one of them will say, you know, one has the lines and the other one doesn't have the lines. So mm. who put the lines there? Mm. To get them to think about, you know, how... How comes, you know, this is one country and, and next door across the border is another country? Mm -hmm. And then we can use this as specifically for Cyprus. We show them, you know, we show them the satellite image of Cyprus on this thing. And we say, if an alien came from outer space, would they see Cyprus as one island or two islands? You know, what would they think? Yeah. So this just gets the kids thinking. Hmm. Um, um, yeah, so it's very useful to, to, to use satellite images of Earth because mm. uh, I'm sure you know the famous astronomer Carl Sagan. Um, yeah. <laughs> in the 70s, uh, they launched two satellites, Voyager 1 and 2. Yeah. And Voyager 1 is the furthest man-made objects uh, from Earth yeah. uh, at the moment. And when, it, you know, they, they took these beautiful pictures of the planets in our solar system and they made up this image called the, or series of images called the family portrait, which is really beautiful. Mm. Um, and when this satellite reached the outer regions of our solar system, it turned around and Carl Sagan requested that it take a picture of Earth. And mm. at six billion kilometers away, our Earth appears as this tiny, tiny little thing, which yeah. he, he coined this phrase, the pale blue dot. Um, and it's really quite striking. It's something we show the, the children this picture and we say, you know, what, what do you think this is? And they, they think it's just a blank picture and they don't even maybe even notice that little dot. Mm. And then I, you know, I tell them, you know, this is, this is home. Yeah. This is our planet. So think about, look at this picture of this tiny little dot suspended in space all alone and think that every single human being that has mm. ever existed ever for the yeah. history of mankind has lived their life on this tiny little piece of rock floating in space. So this really gets people thinking, you know, like, well, actually, rather than fighting each other and mm. uh, killing each other over conquering, he, he yeah. uh, Carl Sagan puts it as conquering a fraction of a pixel, you know. Yeah. Uh, really, we should focus on our commonalities because we, we are all together on this tiny little planet. And not only should we learn to, to respect one another, we should also learn to respect our planet because... As we keep hearing, there is no planet B. Yeah. I mean, there are there are intentions to go to Mars to see if they can colonize it and so on. But yeah. really, for the time being, there is no planet B. And if you look at this picture and you see 
how uh, fragile our, our little tiny little planet is in the huge vastness of space. It's really quite striking that we should do our utmost to protect and love and cherish this tiny little thing because we are so lucky. We are so lucky that we have the right conditions on our planet uh, for life to exist. And yet at the same time, uh, we as human beings are doing a catastrophically wonderful job of of destroying our own home. So, for me, it's strange because whatever you are saying now, I, I usually hear from astronauts the same, uh-huh. you know, they'd say I, I went to space and I saw Earth and we, I understand that we are all one. We are, have the common home and we shouldn't stop fighting each other and protect our home. So whatever uh-huh. you're saying, I, I, hear, I hear it from astronauts and how they change perspective when they come back on Earth how they see yeah. everything, the whole life, they change it because of that one trip to space. Um, yeah. So that leads me to the final question about the future of this science. What is the estimation? I mean, we'll, we'll discover maybe another Earth in another galaxy. What what uh, the scientists are uh, saying about the future? Well, this is really exciting. So the, the hunt for um, a habitable planet Uh, is definitely a hot topic at the moment. Mm. Um, there has been there are several different ways to detect if there are um, planets orbiting a star. Um, and the most famous mission, which is dedicated specifically to this, was the the Kepler uh, Space Telescope. So it was looking at it's looking at a particular patch of the sky uh, and monitoring with time how uh, how this what, what light they're detecting from stars. Um, and from this, the current estimation or current uh, toll is about 4,000 what we call exoplanets. So Mercury, uh, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus and Neptune. These are the planets in our solar system. Yeah, yes. um, and in the solar system, there is one star, which is, of course, the sun. Yes. But within our own galaxy, the Milky Way, there are billions of stars. I mean, billions and billions of stars. So imagine if each of those billions of stars had one or two or even four or five or eight planets mm. like our sun. Imagine how many planets there are um, in just our own galaxy and then there are billions of galaxies. Yeah. So um, the fact that 4,000 sounds like quite a big number, but um, really, you know, if you put, if you think about the numbers, it, it's just a, a small, uh, 4,000 is small considering there are billions of stars. But um What they're doing now, the, the planets, the exoplanets that they've detected, the next thing is to say, okay, we know they're there, we can calculate their mass, we can calculate how close they are to their star, uh, we can see whether they're in this, this so-called habitable zone, or they call it sometimes the Goldilocks zone. Um, so, like the story Goldilocks, either the porridge is too hot or too cold or just mm. right. Yeah. The Goldilocks zone is where the planet is uh, is in an orbit around because, of course, its star might be smaller than the sun. In which case, the habitable zone will be closer to their star yeah. than Earth to our uh, to our sun, or or larger, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, so the next thing now is to start analyzing the the atmospheres of these planets. So mm-hmm. they might be in the habitable zone, but do they have water? What m- molecules are present on these planets? So this is a really hot topic in astronomy. Yeah. Um, understanding this. Um, That doesn't mean to say that we, we ha- will have a plethora of options as, as mankind to go to these places because they're really far away. Yeah. Um, one thing that we'd really try to drive home in activities that we do, astronomy activities, is to understand uh, 
how much space there is in space. I mean, yeah. space is called space because there, <laughs> there is a lot of space. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you could feel of our solar system if you took the planets and picked them up and put them in a line you could fit them in the distance between uh the earth and the moon which is really quite staggering um so that's just the distance from the earth to our own natural satellite so Mm. even the size of the our solar system is incomprehensible let Mm. alone the size of galaxies so yeah this is a really hot topic in astronomy of course you mentioned the recently imaged black hole which uh, took a huge international collaborative effort in order to do this yeah. um, essentially linking satellites or uh, telescopes around around the earth to mimic an earth-sized telescope right. um, and of course there's a search for extraterrestrial life which is which is going on there's the SETI program um, which is yeah the search for extraterrestrial uh, intelligence so there's a lot of stuff happening still so we're at the beginning I guess it's been a, it's, it's a rel- well, this is it. We've learned so astronomy has come such a long way in the past hundred years. We've yeah. gone from from having the the first telescopes being built um, to understanding, you know, all these things that we've discussed today. Um, but there's still so much more to learn, and that's why it's such an exciting topic. I mean, I'm totally biased. <laughs> I love astronomy so much. Of course, but there of is course. still so much to learn. Well, thank you, Natalie, for this interesting interview. Thank you so much for being on Her Impact. I wish Thank you, you so much for having me. Wish you the best and discover a new galaxy where we can live <laughs> as a humankind. <laughs> our best wishes. And we are completing this episode on Hair Impact. I will see you next Wednesday with another episode. Bye-bye.